Welcome and thank you for listening to the CRC podcast brought to you by Pastor Ad Boschel. We believe that God is working across this platform to bring each and every believer revival throughout their entire lives. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. How many of you believe that God's not done with you? Amen. And, and, and my question is, what are you doing about it? Ah. How many of you believe that your greatest days are ahead of you? And what are you doing about it? Same old, same old. Same old, same old. Same prayers. Same expectation. Same passion. There's one thing God spoke to me this last week. I was in uh, East London and uh, God actually said a few things. One of the things is that um, too many people have slacked on prayer. And I'm not going to talk about it tonight. Um, I'll talk to it about it in the weeks that lie ahead. But if anything is going to change in your life, it has to start with prayer. You have to become more intentional about your prayer life. Pressing into God and crying out to God. And not allow your current situation to determine the level of your prayer. Because if anything is going to shift and change in your life, it's going to start with prayer. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds to say a prayer. What is it that you want God to do tonight? Say your own prayer all over this country. Amen, Pastor Jack. Um, look at the person next to you and say, this is the title of my message tonight, Dare to be more. And you can take your seats in heavenly places tonight. Hallelujah. I'm going to speak for a little while and then I'm going to pray as the Holy Spirit leads me. Hebrews 12 is 1, the Message Bible. Do you see what this means? All those pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down and start running. Strip down, no, not literally. Strip down and start running. And never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins or relationships that drain the life of God out of you. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished. This race we're in. You're in a race, a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you are 20 years old tonight and your decisions today will determine your 30s and your 30s will determine your 40s and your 40s will determine your 50s and your 50s will determine your 60s, etc., etc., etc. So Jesus not only started, He finished. And there's one thing we need in our world, strong finishers, not strong starters. Study how He did it. Because He never lost sight of where He was headed. He never lost sight of where He was going. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, pain, whatever. 
And now he's there in the place of honour, right alongside God. And he went to go prepare a place for you as well. A place of honour right alongside God. So we better get running. We better get busy with the life that God called us to live. We better get busy with the present. We better get busy with pursuing our dreams and our visions. We better strip down all the excess weight. We better get rid of everything that drains the life of God out of us and get committed to run this race that God has called us to run. I said this, um, we had an interview and I said this at the end, I said, everybody, every believer must realize that one day you will stand before Jesus Christ alone. It's not a day that you're gonna escape. Three most important days of your life when you're born or you would not be here tonight. The second most important day is when you discover why you were born. Paul on the road to Damascus, who are you, Jesus? What is it that you want me to do? The third most important day of your life is the day you die. And we're all gonna die. Whether you believe it or not, young people think they don't die. They die every day. So you wanna know why you were born? Why am I alive? What is the purpose of my life? And then you want to focus on exalting and glorifying God throughout this journey called life so that you can finish strong like the Apostle Paul and you can say, I've run the race, I've kept the faith, amen. And finally, there's later for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give to me on that day and also to all those who love His appearing. I wanna tell you that Jesus is coming again and I wanna tell you whether it's in your lifetime, He's coming. Whether it's in your hospital bed, He's coming. And once you bail out of this life, you cannot right in any wrong. You have this one life to live and you have to make it count. Because one day you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bible says it's a point of a man wants to die and then the judgment. Now people don't want to hear about this. People want to talk about the, the, the let's just flow throughout life, etc. You know, there's nothing as final as death, right? Huh? There's nothing as final as somebody that's born. They were not there, then they're there. And there's nothing as final as somebody that was there today and gone tomorrow. Their life is finished. It's over. Just like Jesus who ran a race and He finished. So I want to finish. And I want to stand before God one day without excuses, without blaming everybody, anybody else, without being a victim because of something somebody else did. I want to stand before God one day and I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray that's in your heart as well, that you are running not just for this world, but you are running in this world for that day that is not a day of judgment that you have to fear, but it's a day of reward. Come and if you're looking forward to standing before your Lord and Saviour one day, because you will give our amazing God, amazing praise in this place tonight in Jesus' Name. So I want to talk about two things tonight to finish this race. Number one, you need to dare to dream. And you have to dream big because God's a big God. Every human being should have a dream. 
Every child has a dream. But there's no child that's born and, and when the teacher asks them, what do you want to be one day? They say, I want to be a drug dealer. Or they say, I want to be a dropout. Or they say, I want to fall pregnant when I'm 16 years old. Or they say, I, I, I want to be poor. There's not a child that doesn't have a dream. As a matter of fact, children believe anything is possible. That's why Jesus said you have to be like a child if you want to inherit what God has for you, the kingdom of God. You have to become like a child. You have to become simple in your faith again. You have to believe again that anything is possible. You have to go beyond all the setbacks and the disappointments and the tragedies of life so that you can be who God called you to be. When I look at my grandchildren and the latest, Akalia, my Akalia, um, she smiles all the time. When you look at her, she smiles. When you talk to her, she smiles. What happens? That this journey of life takes the smile out of you, takes the joy out of you, takes the desire for growth and self-development out of you. Education systems that have been designed to reward some people, education systems that are designed by man to try and tell you what your worth and value is. So people grapple through life, they are born free and somewhere they land in a prison, sometimes because of something that happened. Beautiful little girl, molested by her father, uncle, etc. Tragic, but even there, God says, I come into your life and I'm gonna heal your brokenness and I'm gonna give you a new life and I'm gonna give you a new heart and I'm gonna give you a new beginning and I'm gonna fill your heart with hope. Come on, I'm gonna take away your sorrow. I'm gonna take away your sadness because when I step into your life, hope steps into your life, a new future steps into your life. Oh, come on, young person, in the name of Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what you come from, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter your past. When you find Jesus Christ, you find the reason for your existence. And through Jesus Christ, you find yourself and you find your destiny. So for you to dare to be all God called you to be, the first thing is you have to be a dreamer. Talk to people that don't dream. You have to dream. Dream about a better future. Dream about better days and more pays. Amen, in Jesus' name. Dream the impossible dream. Dream that you can do great things. Walt Disney was fired from a newspaper. The editor said, lack of imagination. Can you imagine that? Because his dream was to put a smile on a child's face. And he had to face Somebody who never saw his potential, never understood, but he never died to the dream. So everybody must dream. Every child has a dream. Every adult must have a dream. Everybody is free to dream. Dreaming will cost you nothing. Oh, I dream about a better place. I dream to be married one day. I dream for Prince Handsome to come or Prince Charming to come. I dream of an ideal job. I dream of a church building. I dream 
to own a farm or to own a piece of land one day. I dream that God can do great things. I dream to be out of this prison. I dream that one day we're not just going to have bread and tomato sauce. We are actually going to be able to give our children a proper meal. I dream. I dream about a better future for South Africa. I dream that the giants will not prevail. I dream that this rainbow nation will be a blessed land. Come on, is somebody in agreement? Matthew 18, whatever two or three agree on us. Touching anything on earth shall be done. I dream about the day that there will not be unemployment. I dream about the day where young people will have two, three, four options for jobs. They don't have to go to Canada, America, um, New Zealand, Australia. They will have ample jobs here in South Africa. I dream that those who left the country will come back and rebuild South Africa. Come on! In Jesus' name, if you lose your dream, you will perish. Because Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. You have to dream. And Satan will do everything in his power to steal your dream. And that's the deal. The more you focus on the giants, the more you lose your dream and your hope. The more you look at the giants and the impossibilities, the more those giants begin to invite you and invade you and stifle you and kill your dream. Because Satan is a stealer of dreams. What is the dream that you used to dream? What is the dream that you've abandoned? And Joseph could have, after his brothers betrayed him, after he sold as a slave, after he finds himself in part of his house and he's lied about, after he's in prison and he's abandoned again, he could have lost his dream, but he never did. Because he held on to his God and he held on to his dream. And I want to tell you tonight, hold on to your dream. No matter what you've gone through, you hold on to your dream. You hold on to your vision. You hold on to the promise of God because God is able to fulfill His dream, His vision in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, say amen, someone in this, in Jesus' name. Eleanor Roosevelt said, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Well, Disney, all our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. So your dream will determine who you become. The quality of your dream will determine the quality of the individual that you will become. Because if you have no dream, you don't have to change. But if you have a dream of greatness, you have to become great in the prison. You have to become great in Potiphar's house. Because you have a dream of greatness. First you dream. And that dream gets a hold of you. And that dream begins to change you. That dream begins to enlarge you. In Jesus' name. We need to take the blinkers off. Amen. We've taken the masks off. Now we have to take the blinkers off. And we have to lift our eyes. And we have to see what God says is possible in this world and in our lives. Nothing is impossible with God. Abram went through a time of doubt and he has a conversation with God in Genesis 15. The Bible says in verse 1, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me? You know, it's okay to believe God for progress. It's okay to have healthy ambition to get ahead in life. Not selfish, but healthy. It's okay 
to believe God for great things. Says, what will you give me? Seeing I have nothing. I go childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. So he's in a bad place. He's got a promise. He loses sight of the promise. And he begins to talk to God about his natural circumstances. And he says, look God where I am. Look God, nothing is happening. Believing God for a child, I still am not pregnant. Look God, I'm leaving you for a job, but I still don't have a job. He says, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Hallelujah. And the word of the Lord's coming to you tonight, my brother and sister. This one shall not be your heir. You will not stay where you are no more. You better, you better uh, 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 get your ten pegs out. You better get ready to move in Jesus' Name. You better get ready to relocate. You better get ready to go higher. You better get ready to go from camping to climbing. Shout Amen in Jesus' Name. The Word of the Lord comes to him and He says, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and now God says, look, get a vision. Look now, not next year. Look from the place where you are. Lift your eyes above the trouble, above the storm, above the giants, above the impossibilities. Lift your eyes and see the fields. Lift your eyes and see. Look toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and it accounted him for righteousness. When Jesus calls the disciples, I mean, think about this. If you've ever been to Israel, it's a small country, Nazareth, where Jesus grew up and spent time for 30 years. is smaller than the half our church property. Maybe that whole village or place Jesus grew up in is not even the size of our building. Factual, if you've been there. But somehow Jesus there got a vision that He's going to change the whole wide world. And He started with this vision, with this mission, with this assignment, because He had heard from His Father and He had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and everything began to change as it should when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. And He began to call people and say, follow me and I will make you ordinary people. I'm going to turn you into somebody extraordinary. I'm going to turn you into a history maker. I'm going to turn you into a world shaker. I'm going to enlarge your boundaries. I'm going to extend your horizons. I'm going to take you from a place that people don't even know about. And I'm going to take you to the nations of the world. Follow me and I will make you. I know the average conversation in the average home is, well, don't get your hopes too high or don't believe God for too much or it's called false hope. Not when God is in the equation because when God comes into the equation, the creator of the universe steps into your life. The one who has all power and all resources. When you give your life to Jesus, then Jesus steps into you and He says, I'm going to make you and you become a work in progress. He begins to change you inside out. That's why it's not an overnight journey. 
He begins to enlarge you. He begins to purify you. He begins to sanctify you. He begins to wash you. He begins to renew your mind so that you can think different thoughts. Not thoughts that always take you down, but thoughts that will lift you up. So He tells those disciples, follow me. And He walks with them for three and a half years. Imagine if you see the conversation of Jesus with the disciples, with the crowds, He was very gracious. With the Pharisees, not. The disciples, He was very, very, very intentional. And He rebuked them often. Why? Because He needed them to become the kind of people that would change the world. So He could not allow them to stay where they are, were. In fear, in doubt, in unbelief, small-mindedness, intimidated by the environment because He knew what they needed to be for them to fulfill the vision that He called them to fulfill. So He worked on them and again and again, He rebukes them for their unbelief. He rebukes them for their doubt. He commands them to go further. He stretches them all the time. He enlarges them all the time. And if that is not enough, without social media and without a ball around globe, because they thought the world was flat in those days, He said, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to all nations. I mean, you talk about a big vision. No television, no CNN, no even understanding what lies beyond Israel, Egypt, the known world. So they had to climb on a boat and travel to different nations and preach the Gospel. But one thing they did is they were unstoppable because they walked with the Master and time spent in the presence of Jesus enlarged them, stretched them, and build something in them that they believed that nothing was impossible. All the persecution, all the opposition in the world could not stop them because they had encountered the Master Himself and they became, as the Bible says, His workmanship created for good works. Let me tell you something tonight. God's dream for your life is much greater than you can ever imagine. God's plan for your life is much bigger than you can ever imagine. God's belief in you is much more than you can ever imagine. Why would you go through life and always minimize yourself and talk down on yourself and belittle yourself and choose to be, I don't wanna say Joe because we have Joe here tonight, and choose to be uh, Mr. Average. Why would you confine yourself to mediocrity, to average, to just fitting in with the norm and the standards of the day. If Jesus Himself lives on the inside of you, the same God who created the heavens and the earth, the greater one lives on the inside of you. How can you just be Mr. Normal, Mr. Average, Mr. Nobody? You cannot. Because if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. There was a Western movie many years ago, My Name is Nobody. Well, my name is not nobody. My name is Child of God. Amen. Royal Priesthood. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Give the Lord a praise just because it feels good. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. Just give Him a praise. Just give Him a praise. 
Come on there, Ring Turban. Just give him a praise for what God's going to do on Wednesday. Lift your eyes and see that stadium full. Give him a praise. So when we talk about vision, the first vision we need is we need a vision of God. Because as E.W. Tozer said, the greatest vision you can have is a vision of God. And the way you see God will determine how you see everything else. The first revelation you need is a revelation of the true and living God. Not the historical God, angry God, judgmental God. But God who is love, gracious, merciful, powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing, all-wise. You need a vision of God because if you don't know Him, you won't know yourself. So you're never going to get a vision of God if you don't spend time with Him. And you're never going to get a vision, listen, of yourself if you don't spend time in Him. Because you need to become His reflection in this earth. And that means you need to become the person He called you to be. Without all these excuses, without all these labels. Because when you spend time in the presence of God, all those things fall off. All those things disappear. All those things are burned away. When you see Him for who He is, then you will become who you are meant to be. And when those two things are in place, you will begin to see the purpose that God has for your life. And you know that God is your source. And you know that God will fulfill what He promises you. And no matter how severe the battle, that you're never alone, that God is there. No matter who comes against you, you're not intimidated by the size of your giant or your opposition because you are focused on the King of Kings and you know who you are. Shepherd boy in the eyes of people, but in the eyes of God, you are a worshiper, you are a warrior. You see yourself. One of the questions they asked um, in uh, this last week and um, was, what is the greatest challenge that you've ever had as a pastor? And we had a few pastors sat there. And I said, the greatest challenge, and I think it's the greatest challenge any human being will go through, is self-doubt. Self-doubt. Because if you doubt yourself, your journey will not continue. The devil will do anything and everything in his power to get you to doubt yourself. That devil, that silent voice that talks in your, your, your mind all the time that tells you who you're not, you have to tell him who you are. That devil who tells you what you cannot do, you have to remind him what you can do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those people who try to belittle you like David's brothers and David's father who did not even remember that they had another brother and a son. I mean, the prophet had to come and say, is there another? When I came to Bloomfordown, the Lord said to me just like this, how would you like to be called like this? He said, you are not my first choice. And God showed me two other men that He called to bring revival to that city. And God said to me, run for me. When I was appointed into the ministry, my pastor who brought me into the ministry, well, this just strengthened me because my mother taught me at least self-belief. Not arrogance, self-belief. But he said to me, you're not my first choice. You're the one I can afford. Would you like to be employed on that basis? But I knew I was God's first choice. 
So I was not faced. I wasn't faced because I spent time in the presence of God and God told me this is your time. I was studying law and I knew God called me to the ministry and I was walking out of a little church building and the pastor said, come and see me. So when I came to see him, he said, you're not my first choice, but you're the one I can afford. I knew I was God's first choice. I knew I wasn't God's plan B. I knew this was my way into the ministry without a title, just as a gopher. And I was going to use it because I knew this was God's time for my life. Come on. I don't care how you get your seat to the table. Just take your seat at the table. I don't care how you get into that place, that business. Just show up when you get the opportunity and be the best you. And the rest will be history in Jesus' name. The second thing I want to talk about is you you need to dare to dream big. And then I want to say the title is you need to dare to be everything you can be. And this is really something I don't understand when I see people with great potential, how they just settle to be a, a, a version of their true self. Oh, I look at people that used to be great and for some reason they are no longer great. They lose something. Well, if you've lost it, you can get it back in the presence of God. That's the good news. People that used to be on fire, that have no fire. People that used to be committed, that have no commitment. People that used to have an appetite for the things of God, that have lost it. And I'll say it again. If you've lost it, you can find it. Where? In the presence of God where you got it in the first place. So you have to get back to God. Get get back into the presence of God. Get back to that place where you found what you lost. You have to get back into the presence of God. I cannot overemphasize that. You have to get back to the presence of God and let that fire that you lost be restored in your life in Jesus' name. We're going to pray for people tonight. Some of you lost some stuff. You have to get it back in the presence of God. You're not going to go get it in the spa and you're not going to go get it in the, in, in the club and in the pub. And you're not going to get it any, anywhere else. You're going to get in the presence from God. You want to find yourself, you're going to get, find yourself in the presence of God because you are lost until you find Him. Or until you allow Him to find you. So you have to dare. Because, because society is anti those who stand out. Society wants everybody to conform. Your friends move out of a certain neighborhood to another neighborhood, they say, who does he think he is? No, why don't you just get inspired? Amen? In Jesus' name. So dare to be more than you ever thought you could be. I want that to sink in because David was a shepherd boy. But he always had a dream that something great would happen in his life. And you never know who's watching. And you never know when God's promotion is coming your way. And when it comes your way, you better get ready. And you better be ready. And your skills better be ready for the battle. You have to be faithful when nobody's watching. Sharpen your axe. Keep your prayer active. Keep your self-discipline. Guard your heart. Your relationships. Not just become a survivor. Too many survivors. 
surviving, waiting for the rapture bus. It's not what God called us to do. He called us to be thrivers. He called us to be climbers. He called us to be world shakers. He called us to, to turn things upside down. He called us to be runners for Jesus Christ. He called us to do great things for God. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I don't know where we get this thing from that we should just shuffle through life. God never called you a shuffler. God called you a runner. God called you somebody to do great exploits. The people who know their God will not settle for less in life. They will believe and they will become all that God calls them to be. Believe that you can be more than the labels people placed on you, your culture. Believe that you can be better than, and I'm not saying your background is bad, but better. You know, I've always said, if, if, if somebody can do it, why not me? If it's possible, why not me? If God wants to use somebody, why not me? If I was in business, I wasn't just going to sit and, 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 and just take over. I'll do my best in my 20s, in my 30s, but my word, I'm going to study the word and I'm going to hunger for the things of God and a hunger to do great exploits for God and a hunger to progress in life in Jesus' name. I think there's nothing as demotivating as just stagnating and staying in the same old, same old, same old. Believe that you can be better than the way your culture tried to define you. And there's a lot in what I said. You need to stop identifying with your culture more than you identify with Christ. Because as great as your culture is, there's limitations in any culture. Paul says, in my flesh dwells no good thing. He says, the things that were gained to me, I count as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, the life that Christ has for me. Dare to be more than your mishaps and your hurts. There has to come a day that you lay your hurt down. That you lay your bitterness down. You refuse to pick it up again. Listen. There has to come a day that you put that bad memory down. Once and for all. You listening? Because Satan has an ingenious way, and I don't want to give him credit, to take people back to the lowest places of their life to tell them that God's not faithful and God doesn't care about them. And you have to refuse it. You have to lay it down. You have to turn your back on that. You have to turn your back on your mishaps. You have to turn your back on your mistakes. You have to turn your back on your failures. And you have to stand up and you have to lift your head up. And you have to choose to say the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. You have to choose to be a runner. You have to choose to follow Jesus Christ. Come on, you have to choose to run this race as we read. You have to choose. You have to choose. Come on. You have to, come on, some of you have to get up tonight. I'm talking about not just in your seat. You have to get up on the inside. You have to get up out of that disappointment. You have to get up out of that discouragement. Get up out of that place where the devil wants to take you back all the time. I spoke to somebody the other day. And the, and, and the person says, the person obviously uh, made some mistakes in their past. And the person said, people always try and take me back there. Every week somebody reminds me of what I did wrong. I said, well, why do you even have any conversation with those kind of people? 
Huh? Nobody has the right to remind you. It's time to remind yourself of God's goodness, of God's love, of God's mercy and God's grace. There are certain things you have to close the door to. You have to close that door. And when people try and take you to that place, you shut the door, you walk away. You set that weight aside so that you can run your race freely looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. So you have to be more than people's opinions. You know, as much as you have an opinion about me, there are people that have an opinion about you. Everybody has an opinion about you. So what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's your opinion that matters. It's not Eliab's opinion. It's not King Saul's opinion. It's not Goliath's opinion. It's David's opinion. Your opinion. They may see a shepherd boy. God sees a king. Stop looking down on yourself and begin to look at yourself through the eyes of Jesus. Come on, shout Amen. You know, your, um, your parents have an opinion and they're well-meaning, but they, 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 God doesn't call you through your parents. Amen. Because God doesn't have grandchildren. Because if you're a grandchild because of your parents, then what are they? No, you're a child of God. You're legitimate. You called. You are chosen. You're anointed. You are appointed. But you have to believe it. You have to dare to believe it. You have to dare to be. Especially when people say, it cannot be done. I've heard it a million times. It cannot be done. First little building we built in Lady Brand, cannot be done. When we build this building in a recession, cannot be done. Shouldn't do it. Time is not right. I've heard that again and again and again and again and again and again. But my brother, my sister, when people say it cannot be done, there's something that happens on the inside of me. It's like a, it's like a, a ballistic missile goes off on the inside of me. I don't know if that's a good explanation. It's like something just stand up on the inside of me. Don't tell me it cannot be done. Don't tell me it's too difficult. Don't tell me it's too hard. Don't tell me God cannot do it. Don't tell me that God can't bless me in a second famine. Don't tell me that God can't shift that situation. Don't tell me. That's when you should go into turbo boost in overdrive by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's when you should believe. That's when you should become loud in your praise, loud in your worship, loud in your prayer. When people say it cannot be done, that's when you know God's going to show up and prove them wrong. Was Eliab told David, you're not able. King Saul told David, you're not able. Goliath told David, you're not able. But David said, I've slain the lion and I've slain the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. You come to me with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord 
of the army of Israel. I come to you in the name that is above every other name. Come on. I know what you don't know. So I'm not going to doubt my God in the hour of darkness and trial and tribulation. I'm not going to doubt what people, because of people's opinions. I'm not going to doubt my God. I'm not going to doubt myself, my potential, my ability. I know what I have because I received it from God Himself in the name of Jesus Christ. So you've got to dare to be all that God called you to be. When God called Gideon, he had a problem, self-doubt, Judges 6.15. When God called him to go as a mighty man, he said, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. How can I? How can you not? How can I? How can you not? If it's God's plan for your life. Jabez, on the other hand, broke the label of shame that was placed upon him. In 1 Chronicles 4 verse 9 and 10, Jabez was more honourable, the Bible says, than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez. Um, the word Jabez literally means, oh, the pain. Imagine people say, oh, yeah, comes the pain. I know when some relatives want to come visit you, it's like, oh, the, oh no, oh, oh, oh. The only advantage of security states are now that they can't just rock up at your front door. You don't have to answer the, the, the bell because you've got a camera there and say, oh, the pains, I mean, um, the... He said, because I bore him in pain. So I had this label of, oh, the pain, pain, pain. But he wasn't happy with that. So Jabez called on the God of Israel. You have to get desperate. You have to get tired of where you are. You have to stop accepting the negatives in your life, the defeats in your life, and the continuation of the unwanted. You have to turn to your God, you, in that dorm when everybody else is visiting and partying. You have to call on your God who hears your prayer. You have to press in to your God until you receive something from God. And this is His prayer. He says, Oh God, that you would bless me indeed. I don't want to live my life like a pain. Amen. I don't want to live my life like a nobody. I don't just want to shuffle through life. I just I don't just want to tick over. I know, God, that you've called me to be great in you. Everybody. I mean, I've seen people, um, and I always look for potential. I believe God does as well, although potential is a God-given thing. Most people just bury their potential, especially with an entitlement mentality because there's abdication of responsibility. And God cannot help anybody that doesn't take responsibility for who they are, where they are, and for where they want to go. God can't help you. You can mark dress in your yellow, black, green, red, blue. It doesn't matter. Those names will all fail you. But He will never fail you. So your journey with God better be beyond politics and better beyond bribery and better beyond a sugar daddy, better be beyond everything else that this life has to offer. You have to find yourself. You have to discover yourself. You have to discover who you are and you have to get desperate. And every human being has to go through that 
journey. It's called a relationship. It amazes me how people want things, but they don't want to pursue God. They don't want to spend time with Him. Time in His presence. Time reading the Bible. Time praying. Time meditating. Time praying in tongues. These things are part of making you, building you, renewing your mind, developing your character spiritually, etc. This is a journey. It's a relationship. You have to spend time with God. And if you're in a place that you don't want to be, there's one way out. It's spelled G-O-D. Not three ways. One. Jesus. The way. The truth. The life. Jesus. And He's no longer a mystery. He's no longer hidden. He's not lost. He's available. He's there. Those who seek Him will find Him. Those who draw close to Him will find Him. But somehow there's this attitude almost of, I want it all, but I don't want to get to know you. And yes, Jabez, I mean, Gideon, I mean, he's not really a coward, Gideon. He's in the wine press, he's hiding wheat in the wine press to uh, provide food. So sometimes people get it wrong. He wasn't a coward. He was actually protecting the food for the people of Israel, etc. But he was hiding from his greater destiny that God had for him. Okay? Because God doesn't call cowards. He already was somebody that was doing something. God knew he was a man of courage, but he had he needed a mind change, an identity change. He wasn't somebody that was going to run away from battle. He was going to be somebody that was going to step up to the plate if he knew God spoke to him. So he wasn't a coward. Let's get that right about Gideon. Okay? He wasn't a coward. So Jabez is, is not happy with the label he has. So he cries to God, God bless me. Bless me. Touch me. Me. Not bless my business. Not bless my house. Not bless me with a car. Not bless me with everything else. Those things do not matter. They byproducts. They, they just material, irrelevant things. If you have them without a relationship with God, it means nothing. So it says, bless me. Bless me. Change me. Me. Change me, 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 touch me, me, me. Kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. No men say, Lo, Yarodeh, the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God comes within you. The kingdom of God, the rule of God, is where Jesus takes residence. Bless me. Oh, oh, we worry about everybody else. We talk about everybody else. And when Jesus was speaking to Peter about his destiny, he said, but what about John? Jesus said, I'm not talking to you about John. God's not going to talk to you about the past days. He's not going to talk to you about a member sitting over there. God wants your attention and He wants to have an honest conversation with you. God wants to relocate you on the inside and change you on the inside 
And when you become the man, the woman that God called you to be, no matter the battle you face, no matter the size of your Goliath, no matter the storm, no matter the prison, no matter the betrayal, you're going to be okay because you know all things work together for good to those who love God who are called according to His purpose. It was that encounter that Paul had on the road to Damascus that kept him strong in the grace of God when all hell broke loose in his life, shipwrecked, beaten, robbed, stoned. He went through absolutely every kind of adversity. Never lost his faith because of his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, discovering two things, who Jesus is. Until you don't answer who Jesus is, you'll never answer who you are. And if you can't answer who you are, what have you got to do with even trying to figure out who anybody else is? Because once you know who you are, your finger will no longer turn and point. Your fingers will go this way and you will begin to pray for people as Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for you. When you discover God, you know the grace of God. And when you see somebody going through a trial, a tribulation, somebody that falls, you're not going to be the accuser. You are going to be the intercessor. You are going to be the prayer because you're going to know, but for the grace of God, there go I. Everything changes. When you have a true encounter with God, everything. Because this busy mind becomes quiet. And a peace that surpasses all understanding fills your heart. And um, I want to preach this as well. How God blesses you while you sleep. How God wants to bring you to a place of rest in Him. But you have to know Him to be able to rest in Him in a time of storm. So, so, so what are people grappling with? with? What, what are people grappling with? Not wanting miracles and needs and breakthroughs and things like that. They really are grappling with identity, knowing God, and then knowing who God created them to be. And once those two come together, you will know why God created you. And your why will be the focus of your life. Why am I a doctor? Why am I a businessman? Why am I a pastor? Why am I a student? The why will overshadow everything else when you discover Him. People have become lost. People have wandered away from God. People have lost themselves during this COVID pandemic. Even now, people are still lost. And they don't even know it because that's the power of deception. Deception is I think I'm right and you're not. Otherwise, you would not be deceived. So he has Jabez. And, you know, you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You have to, you, something has to stand up on the inside of you where you, you decide enough is enough. I'm not just going to tick over like this and just be the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. Something has to become different on the inside. And I'm talking about a level of desperation that will push you into the presence of God like Jabez who cried out to God, Bless me God. Bless me God. 
Bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from evil. That I may not live up to my name. That I may not cause pain. So God granted him his request. I want to close with Jacob. Because in the age that we live in, everybody wants everything instant. Instant miracle, instant breakthrough, instant everything. And I'm going to say this again. To discover yourself is a journey. And you have to discover yourself in the presence of God. So we're talking about Jacob. Jacob was a man blessed. Jacob, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, he already has a measure of God's blessing in his life, but Jacob comes to a place in his life that he's not happy with where he's at. And we read the story in Genesis chapter 32. The Bible says Jacob was left alone. Everybody say alone. No, everybody say alone. Say there are times I need to be alone with God. Think about it. Some of you are so afraid to be alone that you're never alone. Loneliness and being alone are two different things. So you can be alone without loneliness. So some of you, things have not worked in your life and you are wondering why. Because you need to go through a season of wrestling with God. I want that to sink in because I don't know if I'm speaking Spanish because it's like people just want Pastor, pray for me quickly. There's no quick here. There's no quick here. You have to, you have, to have an encounter with God. You have to press into God. You have to wrestle with God until something gives. Mm. With its doubt, inferiority, anger, bitterness, Medicine, bad habit, I don't know what. Until something yields and he steps in, and then everybody will see the change because you've been touched. So, yes, Jacob, he's alone, he's gone through a lot. The Bible says a man that's Christ in the Old Testament wrestled with him until the breaking of day. It's not just a little prayer. You know, I come out of the school where every Friday night we used to pray from six till six. Some of you can't pray six minutes. We pray 12 hours every Friday. Amen. 12 years. Not 12 minutes, isn't For years. Years. Every Friday. Praying tongues. For 12 hours. Pressing in to God. Every morning of my life, I rose at five o'clock or half past four and spent three hours pressing in, crying out to God for God to touch me. And I was already saved. I was already speaking in tongues. But I knew something was lacking. I needed something. And after years and years and years, God touched me. Not after the first 
month or the second month or the third month after years. My brother who built a great business, we lived in, in, in a, a house in Bloemfontein together. He lived in the one bedroom, I lived in the other bedroom, obviously. And both of us, I could hear him crying out to God over there and I was crying out to God over there. Okay, it wasn't that far. It was like from that speaker to that speaker. Okay, so he knew God called him to business. But he understood that business was not about just making money. Business was about advancing God's kingdom. He wanted to have business to finance God's kingdom. And he cried out to God, use me God. And I was crying out on the other side. Somebody asked the panel the other day, how do you know you're called? If you ask that question, you're not called. Because my prayers used to be, listen, while I was studying law, my prayers used to be, God, if I cannot serve you, I want to die. God, if I cannot go into the ministry, I don't want to exist. That's how much the passion was in me. God, use me, use me. I cried it, same prayer. Over and over and over and over and over. Month after month after year after year after year after year. Young people need to hear this. Because they see a result of a ministry. They see things happening and they don't understand. When nobody was watching, there my brother was. And he started in business. I started in ministry. My appointment, go for. You're not the first choice. You're the one I can afford. He started selling black plastic bags from house to house. How many of you think that's a great way to start as a businessman? But he started. He started. Eventually he built shopping centers all over the country, blah, 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 blah. The rest is history. Very wealthy family business, well run by his wife, his two sons now, architect, account, a charter accountant, and the CEO, Shaul. Great. They, all over South Africa. But it started like CRCs all over South Africa. He expanded his business all over South Africa. How? Prayer. Prayer. Now give the Lord a, 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 a if you're gonna clap, you're not clapping for me. Give him a decent clap. Through prayer. Not a little prayer. I'm talking about prayer. Pray, and I want to say these things because people then imitate these things, but pray where, where, when you get up, the whole carpet is full of sweat. Pray where you wrestle with God. Not this comfortable. No. Pray. I confess the word an hour a day. It was part of my routine. Wrote every promise down that God gave me and confessed it. Still do. Disciplined. If I go to your home, watch your vision wall. <laughs> watch on your prayer wall. What are you believing God for? Just like, okay, another week. So yes, Jacob, he wrestles with a man. And for this generation that I believe, 
I don't want to say you're the greatest generation because these early church disciples were the greatest generation that ever lived the earth. So you are going to be a great generation, but not the greatest. So there, let's just pop your bubble very quickly. Because um, they were the greatest generation. They changed the world and they gave us the head start. For you, let me rephrase that, to be a great generation, you have to get hungry for God yourself and serious about God and committed to your journey of pursuit of this God who is invisible but revealed Himself through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. That's it. Otherwise you're going to be like most believers, Matthew 4, Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, you're seasonal. You serve God till you get what you want. And once you get what you want, you're gone. We never see you again. What the heck is that? So if you're at a low place today, you're actually in a good place. Because when people are comfortable, it's very difficult for them to go back to the place of hunger and pressing into God and for us to experience the recovery God has in mind for us and for us to go beyond where we ever were we are going to have to see or see press into God like we've never pressed into God we're gonna have to chase after God we are going to have to have revival again we are going to have to tarry in the presence of God we are going to have to as the Bible says, get yourself a new heart. We are going to have to put the excuses aside. We are going to have to cry out and say, God, I need you. Oh, I need you, Jesus, I need you. Oh, I need you, Jesus, I want you. Oh, I want you. Without all your excuses, without all your reasons for why you cannot progress in life, you just have to become a God chaser again. You just have to become a God chaser again. You just have to get hungry for God as a young person and pray the prayers that nobody else is willing to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. So Jacob wrestles with this man till the breaking of day. When he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not leave this place of prayer until you bless me, touch me, change me. No easy. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, I'm Jacob. Now we know the name Jacob means cheat, liar, supplanter, deceiver. That's what he was. And he's tired of the superficial. Listen. Because God doesn't look at the outward appearance and what impresses people does not impress God. So Jacob is okay. Jacob is blessed. Jacob has herds. Jacob has flocks. Jacob has everything. But Jacob knows in his heart of hearts something is lacking. And he wrestles with God. 
Until God asks him, what is your name? Listen, place of honesty. This is who I am. I need your help. I need you to touch me, God. And sometimes we press into God and we think we're actually pressing in, but we are still over there. There. But we need to get there. But we're over there. We start our prayer life and we're over here. This is where we are. This is where we are. And I'm not saying you can't find God. God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But for you to have your encounter with God, that's where you need to go. But you give it a go and then it's like, you give it a go, you stroll over here, you stroll everywhere. You're not focused and intentional that that wrestling that Jacob had signifies a season of struggle. A season of struggle. A season of wrestling with God until something breaks in you, sir. Because until you do not break, He cannot build you and He cannot make you. Something has to give for Jesus to take His rightful place permanently in your life. Otherwise, this is like, okay, I'm coming on to church on Sunday to worship you and the rest of the week you're living your own life. No, when, 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 when Jacob has an encounter with God, he says, no longer will your name be Jacob, but Israel, Prince with God. Later on, uh, three chapters later on, God has a conversation with Jacob again. He says, your name is Jacob, but your name will no longer be Jacob. He reminds him. He says, hey, we've had this talk. You're a new creature. You're a child of God. You're born again. You hail from God. The seed of greatness is on the inside of you. You're accepted in the beloved. God has forgiven you all your sin. God has called you. God has chosen you. God's appointed you. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You are mine. God's laid His hand upon you. And God reminds him, you are not Jacob. You're not a deceiver. You are not Peter. You are not a reed tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by everything. You are a rock. You are not a Simon. You are a rock. You are not a Jacob, you are an Israel. You are a prince with God. You are not a Jabez, you are now blessed of God. Come on in the name of Jesus Christ. We have to be the generation that gets hungry for God enough to cry out to God and to press Him until something shifts on the inside. And the rest will be history in Jesus' name. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, and one moving. Jacob, Adam, Peter, Jonah, Samson. People called by God all ran away from him. Gideon. Where are you tonight? If you died, would you go to heaven? Have you made your peace with Jesus? Can you say tonight, I have a relationship with God? Or has this whole season caused you to lose yourself? God loves you. And you are never going to find yourself and you're never going to find sense in all of this until you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And tonight I want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And we sang a song about a reset. And God told me in December, there's a lot of people that have become lost and they need a reset. 
tonight maybe you'll reset. They're in Cape Town, in Durban, in Bloemfontein, in Johannesburg, right here in Pretoria. This may be your reset moment. They're in Poch, in Vintuk, in Khabarone. Wherever you are tonight, God is there in your seat, knocking, calling, saying, come. Let's have a conversation. Let's start a journey. So that you can become the Israel, the man, the woman I called you to be. Sitting here tonight, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're sitting here tonight, you feel lost. You're sitting here tonight, you don't have peace in your heart with God. Maybe like the prodigal son, you left your father's house. It's time to come back. I want to pray for you. God's talking to you. He said, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you open, I will come and sup with you. So tonight in this place, while every head is bowed, in all our churches, believers praying everywhere, you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God and restart like a Jacob. I need a new beginning. I need a conversation. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm tired of the place I am. I want to get right with God. If that is the cry of your heart, quietly, wherever you are, slip your hand up. I want to say a prayer for you quickly all over this place. Raise it up, raise it up. All over this place, raise it up. Say yes, 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 raise it up. Thank you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Raise it up, raise it up. Thank you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, bless you. God bless you, many hands. Raise it up, slip it up, slip it up. Vanaan sê jy, nie begin vir my. Nie begin, nie begin, nie begin. Ek nader tot God vanaan. Vanaan nader ek tot God. Tell jy op in Jesus naam. Quickly, slip your hand up. Say yes, in Jesus name. Listen, I... I have a very busy t- time ahead with the harvest events uh, all over South Africa. But one thing I am going to do, I'm going to have revival nights. Um, I am absolutely yeah, in Pretoria, uh, three nights, then in Johannesburg, three nights, and then in uh, Bloemfontein, three nights. I have to activate people that have fallen asleep and people that are apathetic, if that's the right English word, maybe. Is there a word like that? Hey, toch, maak met my English, ne? Praise God. I haven't made a new English word for a while. <laughs> Don't worry, it's going to happen. It's going to happen sooner than later. But um, we have to activate the people, activate the body. Um, pastors, you have to pray, lay hands on your leaders. Get yourself full of the Holy Ghost, lay hands on the leaders. When you have your next meetings with your leaders, pray for them. Pray for them to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Home cell leaders, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Lay hands on your home cell members. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get that tank filled again to overflow in Jesus' name. Amen. We had such a move of God in Johannesburg this morning. God healed so many people, etc., etc. And, um, you know, um, they blessed because they step into the anointing that half time, yeah, they there, they get like the double portion that church on a Sunday morning, just like the power of God was all over that place, etc. And we are so used to this two hour stupidity and uh, that, and buses that have to go and all these kind of things. We have to get hungry for God again. We have to get hungry for God. Hungry, hungry, hungry for a move of God. Hungry, hungry. So um, we'll announce it in between everything else. I'm going to have revival nights and it's going to be like 
five hours long. So if you don't like long meetings, that's your problem. It's going to be long. Long. Yeah. Some of you need God to resuscitate you. It's like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, right? Holy Ghost breath. Breathing in you, on you. Because we can't do this thing through mental ascent. It's not going to happen. We have to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. And one of the ways is you have to read the Bible. You know, you say have to. People say, I don't have to. Okay. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? You have to read the Bible. And you have to pray in tongues. It's not an option. It's not an option. You can drive to work and pray in tongues. Confess the Word. Worship God. Spend time in the presence of God. If you don't know what to say, just pray in tongues. But get serious in your walk with God. Because listen, some of you are in limbo. Young people standing here tonight, you're in limbo. You're with God and you're with the world. You're in limbo. The fence, remember? And that fence is going to tip, unfortunately, not the way you want it to tip. It doesn't work like that. Because the fence belongs to the devil. Jesus calls it lukewarm. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does not work. Be the generation like Jacob, Psalm 24. This is the generation that seeks God. Who will ascend to the heel of the Lord? That he that clean hands, a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul into an idol, nor sworn deceitfully in his heart. Talks about the Jacob generation, which is prophetic of the church. That we have to press in. Press in to God. And we are, as churches all over South Africa, uh, maybe I'll come and have meetings in Cape Town. I'll talk to Pastor Aiden. I want to do stuff in Cape Town. Uh, we are looking for land in Cape Town. So if you know about a good piece of land and you're sitting on it, um, I mean, with the good access routes, we have hundreds of thousands of people in our ministry. And there's always somebody who knows somebody because churches, we have to compete with shopping centers. There's no special favors for church. So people say, why does the church need money? Yeah, near, near, yeah, near, near. Near the road, net beam down spotty, and just suddenly it just came here. I woke up one day, drove past here, and the Lord said, There's the building. Praise God. It just happened. No, no, no. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. We have to be passionate about God and His kingdom. And um, about expanding his kingdom. Otherwise, what's the purpose of your life? Huh? Live, eat, drink, sleep, grow old, die. Then you're no better than a dog. No better. Zero. Because a dog doesn't have purpose. A horse doesn't have purpose. A parrot doesn't have purpose. A human being is created in the image of God to be to have purpose and that is to glorify God and to expand God's kingdom that's why we are alive Mm. not to pursue this world the riches, the wealth things are okay but we never seek things 
We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And the things will come in God's timing. But that's not the issue. The people that work with you, they are the issue. The students in class with you, they are the issue. That's your mission. You do God's business and lead people to Christ, then God will take care of your promotion and God will take care of your business. You have an assignment. Not to say how many goals you can sleep with while you're a student. Your life matters. And the longer you wait to discover yourself in God as a Christian, the longer it's going to take. Rocket science. You take this casual approach in your 20s, I doubt you're ever going to get serious with God. I have to tell you, because I've done this for 35 years as a pastor. We all have to ask the question, where was I? Where am I? Am I moving closer to God or away from God? If I'm moving away from God, that's called what? Backsliding. I have to move closer. Closer. In Jesus' name. Put your hand on your heart. Pray this. Pray with me, everybody. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I give myself back to you. Thank you for loving me just as I am. You created me to be me. And tonight, I open my heart and I invite you to take your place as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with all my heart, you died for my sin. I believe you rose. I believe you're alive. I believe you care about me. I believe you are for me. So tonight, I put my life and my future in your hands. I receive your love, your forgiveness, and your mercy. From today, I commit myself to follow you, to seek you. Please reveal yourself to me. I want to know you as my Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Amen. We hope you received exactly what God had in store for you from this week's message. If you have been touched by our ministry, you can help us achieve our mandate and win the lost at any cost by visiting our website at crcchurch.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.